Welcome to Defiant Health Radio, a place where you can count on hearing about the truth in health, uncolored by interests of big pharma, the generally misplaced motivations of healthcare and doctors, just ideas and strategies that work safely, effectively, and inexpensively. I'm your host, Dr. William Davis, cardiologist and author of the Wheat Belly and Undoctored books, and now my newest book, Super Gut, a book that gives you a blueprint on rebuilding a healthy microbiome to take back control over weight, health, and aging. In this episode of Defiant Health, I'd like to tweak your imagination, exploring some unique ideas, a look into human love and affection by putting some new insights into the hormone oxytocin and the human microbiome to work. I believe that you may find some of these ideas quite intriguing. Later in the show, I'll also be talking about Defiant Health Podcast's sponsor, Paleo Valley, makers of terrific fermented grass-fed beef sticks, bone broth protein, rich in collagen, and other tremendous products. Now, this episode of Defiant Health is partly speculative. You'll see that it follows a sequence of logic, but I come to a conclusion or at least generate an hypothesis that is only speculation, and it may not be possible to prove it. But I think you'll nonetheless find this fascinating. It begins with the premise that I talk a lot about in my new book, Supergut. That is, that as modern humans exposed to such things as antibiotics, herbicides and pesticides in food, the ubiquitous herbicide glyphosate that is also a potent antibiotic, even just being obese can cause major disruption of the microbiome. But we also have chlorinated drinking water that disrupts the mucus barrier and thereby shifts microbial composition of the human microbiome. Drugs like nonsteroidal anti-inflammatory drugs such as ibuprofen and naproxen, stomach acid blocking drugs, statin drugs, synthetic sweeteners, the list goes on. In other words, in the modern world, as modern people, we swim in a sea of factors that surround us. We ingest them, we breathe them in, we drink them, and they change the composition. And among the effects is that we lose species. Now, not all species we lose are important, but there are indeed, among those lost species, ones that are very important for human health. And one of the most important, I think, of all is this one we've been talking about quite a bit if you've been following my conversations. Lactobacillus reuteri. This is a microbe that is carried by the indigenous hunter-gatherer populations, those that have been studied, all the way down to specific presence of species, all have Lactobacillus reuteri in their intestinal microbiomes. Likewise, other mammals, such as squirrels, gophers, chipmunks, uh, raccoons, dogs, they all have Lactobacillus reuteri as well suggesting that this microbe plays an important role in mammalian health. But modern people, 96% of us, according to the best data, have lost lactobacillus right from all those factors, exposure to all those factors I mentioned earlier. So we replace lactobacillus reuteri. Now, we started out by replacing the two strains that we know have these a range of very interesting effects, such as restoration of youthful muscle and strength, deeper sleep, suppression of appetite, increase in testosterone in males, increased hair growth, acceleration of skin healing. So we've replaced the two strains that are provided to us through a commercial product from BioGaia, from the company BioGaia, as the product Gastris. And by the way, all these names will be in the show notes below. So we made yogurt. The reason why we made yogurt out of this is because that those original tablets are sold to us 
with microbes present at very low counts. There's 100 million of each strain of Lactobacillus ruderi in those tablets of gastrus. Well, 100 million sounds like a lot, but it's not really much at all when it comes to bacteria. We want uh, hundreds of billions to trillions in order to have a biological effect because your microbiome is occupied by trillions of microbes. And to have an impact, we also want many billions to trillions to have an influence in the composition of microbes in the GI tract. And so we made yogurt, but we didn't make yogurt as they do in commercial yogurt manufacturing, nor do we make it the same way other people do for home yogurt making. Because what they do in, in those settings is they ferment for very brief periods. In commercial yogurt manufacturing, for instance, they only ferment for four hours, and home yogurt makers often ferment for only about 12 hours. Well, this is an important thing to know about. Microbes don't have, of course, sexual reproduction. There's no male and female bacteria, right? There's no mommy and daddy bacteria. They just double. It's called asexual reproduction, meaning one microbe doubles itself to become two. Two becomes four, and so on. Well, that means if Lactobacillus reuteri doubles every three hours, if you follow the rules of commercial yogurt making, you can see you've got virtually nothing at the end of four hours. If you follow the 12 hours of home yogurt making, you've had four doublings. Well, maybe you're getting somewhere, but still you're talking about very low numbers. Some of you have may have heard me use the analogy of the kid's riddle. Uh, which would you rather have? You ask these kids. Which would you rather have? A million dollars or a penny that doubles every day for 30 days? Kids always say, I'll take the million dollars, right? It seems obvious that that penny is going to go nowhere. One cents, two cents, four cents, eight cents, going nowhere very rapidly. But the truth is that that penny, after 30 days of doubling, comes to more than five and a half million dollars. But if you look at the progression, you'll see that the real money, the real big numbers, really don't appear until about day 27, 28. And that's when you get those really big amounts of money. The same principle applies to bacterial doubling. The first few doublings, you don't get much. One, two, four, eight, right? But it's not till about hour 33 where you get really big numbers. And we go to uh, hour 36. And so when we perform something called flow cytometry on our yogurts, we get around 260 billion bacteria per half cup serving. But the real increase does not occur until the last few hours. So you can imagine if you're fermenting for four hours in a factory making yogurt or 12 hours in a home yogurt-making effort, you've got almost nothing. But go to 36 hours, we get big, big, big numbers. And by the way, we also did perform flow cytometry on longer fermentation, up to 48 hours. And it seems like 36 hours is the magic number, because after 36 hours, you start to get more dying microbes than live microbes. And you don't actually increase the number of live microbes anymore, because of uh, probably because of competition for nutrients in the yogurt mix. And so 36 hours has worked out very well. Also, don't be confused or misled by me calling it yogurt. It's really not yogurt. I call it yogurt because it looks like yogurt, smells like yogurt, it tastes like yogurt. But if we went by the FDA's regulations, yogurt must be fermented with two microbes, Lactobacillus bulgaricus and Streptococcus thermophilus, two organisms that have been tried and true to make yogurt, but really don't have much in the way of biological benefits for people who consume them. So eating those two uh, microbes used to ferment yogurt at very low counts 
doesn't really do much. When you eat yogurt bought at the store, do you experience magnificent health effects? No, no, no one really does. And so that, that's why. Ho-hum organisms at very low counts. So when I first got the BioGaia Gastris Lactobacillus roteri at 100 million per tablet, I wanted to increase the numbers. So I started by crushing 10 tablets. It comes as a tablet, not a capsule. And then we fermented it. And then each time we consume a batch, use a little bit of the prior batch to make the next batch. So you only have to buy the product once. Now, since then, I've gotten my hands on about eight other strains of rotorite. Remember the issue of strain specificity? That is, strains may be very important, strains of bacteria. So my, my favorite illustration is E. coli. I have E. coli, you have E. coli, your spouse has E. coli, your children have E. coli. In other words, it's a fairly ubiquitous organism. But what if you ate lettuce contaminated by cow manure with E. coli? Well, you can die of that E. coli. You can have kidney failure and sepsis. Same species, E. coli, different strain. So strain can make a literally a life-death difference. In this case, we don't know if there are differences among the strains of L. roteri in their ability to provoke oxytocin. But I will tell you, uh, this is me personally, I get profound deep sleep out of uh, roteri, the gastrous strains. So I, I convert, by consuming the yogurt, from a chronic insomniac struggling to sleep four hours a night and waking up several times per night and watching TV and reading, unless I take melatonin and do something else to, to help my sleep. When I eat the yogurt, I sleep all the way through most nights, nine hours full of vivid, colorful dreams. And I've gotten that experience with every strain. Also, this is just a personal anecdote. I also experienced an increase in strength, uh, a restoration of youthful muscle, and an increase in empathy. So I believe, just based on the, my anecdotal experience, that this is, applies to most strains of L. roteri. But if you want to be confident, until we prove it, and by the way, we have a small animal study that we're going to use to compare several different strains of roteri and then measure such things as oxytocin and other measures to prove. Just how widely does this effect apply to other strains of roteri? In the meantime, if you want to be confident, I would start with the two strains that are present provided to us by the BioGaia Gastrus product. The Defiant Health Podcast is sponsored by Paleo Valley, makers of delicious grass-fed beef sticks, healthy snack bars, and other products. We're very picky around here and insist that any product we consider has no junk ingredients like maltodextrin, carrageenan, carboxymethylcellulose, sucralose, or other additives that have potential adverse health effects. You will not find any such ingredients in Paleo Valley products. And all Paleo Valley products contain no gluten, grains, soy, or added sugar. In fact, I find Paleo Valley products among the cleanest of any in their category, and they truly are delicious. One of the habits I urge everyone to get into is to include a fermented food product at least once, if not several times per day in their lifestyles. Unlike nearly all other beef sticks available, the Paleo Valley grass-fed beef sticks are all naturally fermented, meaning they contain probiotic bacterial species. Paleo Valley also has an excellent grass-fed bone broth protein powder that packs 15 grams of collagen per scoop that adds to skin and joint health while also providing the health benefits of bone broth. Shipping is free for orders of $75 or more. For more information or to order, go to paleovalley.com. That's P-A-L-E-O-V-A-L-L-E-Y.com. Enter the coupon code DEFIANT 
not case sensitive for a 15% discount to Defiant Health listeners. The web address is also listed in the Defiant Health show notes that accompany this podcast. And be sure to take a look at their other products, such as their super food bars and their organic super greens rich with phytonutrients. Like all other products at Paleo Valley, all ingredients are organic and minus the additives that many other manufacturers include. So a lot of us consume a half cup of this yogurt every day, and we experience, we recreate many of the effects that were observed in experimental settings, such as restoration of youthful strength and muscle, which can be dramatic, deeper sleep, we have better control over our appetites. Food still tastes great, of course, but you have reduced appetite dramatically. You are no longer subject to temptation. Then there are effects that we don't easily measure, such as preservation of bone density and an increase in the immune response, which is likely to be dramatic, though we have yet to corroborate that in humans. But recall that the reason why rotori, lactobacillus rotori, when restored to the human GI tract, and by the way, it occupies, it takes up residence in the entire length of the upper GI tract. In other words, while many microbes prefer the colon, rotori is able to colonize the upper GI tract, the stomach, the duodenum, jejunum, and stomach. And when it takes up residence in the upper GI tract, as well as the colon, a signal is sent to the brain, specifically to the hypothalamus and pituitary glands, to release oxytocin. Now, many of you have heard of oxytocin because it's often called the hormone of love, or the hormone of affection. So when people consume one half cup of the rotori, they experience a surge in oxytocin. And that is accompanied, many people report, having feelings of greater closeness to their spouse, of being able to see the other side of an argument from someone else, of being closer to their families and co-workers, even introducing themselves to strangers and having reduced social anxiety. So these are all social and emotional effects of rotori and oxytocin. Now let me share with you another personal experience I had that really burned a lesson into my brain, uh, but can only lead to speculation of what I experienced. I, I can't prove it right now, and I think you'll see why. So I got a very high-potency strain of rotori from a probiotic manufacturer. I visited his plant. The scientist who provided this to me is an expert in cultivating very high counts of various microbes. He pays special attention to the mix of nutrients that goes into the broth that these microbes grow in. And he gave me a very high-potency strain of lactobacillus rotori. That is very high counts per gram. I made yogurt out of it. And that night, something very interesting happened to me. Just before waking up, I had a dream, and it was a very vivid dream, one of the most vivid dreams I've ever had, where I met a woman, she smiled at me, I could see her face, her skin, her hair in vivid detail, and she introduced herself and gave me her full name. I've never had that happen before, where someone actually introduced themselves and articulated clearly their full name. And I felt deep affection for this imaginary woman. I did not know who this woman was. She was not somebody who was familiar to me. I felt deep affection. I then woke up, and I oddly had this flood of affection. I, I wouldn't say it's exaggerated to say a feeling of love that persisted for several hours. It was profound. It was intoxicating. It was overwhelming. But then it dissipated after about several hours. But it made me wonder... If oxytocin is the hormone of love and affection, and I ate the yogurt from this high-potency source, and I experienced a powerful, overwhelming, 
surge of love and affection, even for an imaginary person, can we do this at will? Well, I've tried it two additional times, getting as much as a trillion microbes, or very high counts of that high-potency microbe. It has not happened again, so I'm trying to figure out what it was I did special that one night. I did combine it with another yogurt called Lactobacillus brevis, a strain of Lactobacillus brevis. I also wonder if, in order to enjoy these effects, we have to stop the Rotary and then go back on it at high potency. I've been reluctant to do that only because I know when I stop the Rotary, I can't sleep. I revert back to old habits, and it's miserable for those days when I don't sleep, and the next days, of course, when you're crabby and unfocused. But in this, I think there's a very important question, perhaps an hypothesis. So when modern people, 96% of us, have lost Rotary, and have lost that boost in oxytocin. Do you think that people in previous times, 50 years ago, 100 years ago, 1,000 years ago, 100,000 years ago, in medieval times, in ancient Rome, ancient Greece, Egypt, Mesopotamia, all those times prior, when those people, like the indigenous populations of current uh, hunter-gatherers, carried Lactobacillus ruteri, was the experience of love and affection and social engagement different than what we have? Was it more intense because they had oxytocin? And conversely, are our modern relationships less intense, involve less affection, less empathy? We can only speculate because I know of no way to compare the intensity, say, of love or affection in 1900 or uh, the year 100 or periods before Biblical times, pre-biblical times, 100,000 years ago. I don't know of any way to do that. We could, of course, read uh, written accounts of people's love for each other and affection for their families and others, but those are subject to social cues, uh, habits, and not necessarily reflective of the intensity of love and affection. But I think it's an interesting question. Could the intensity of love and affection in the modern age be less intense? And can we restore the intensity of love and affection by doing what we, what we just described, getting lactobacillus rotari, uh, especially at higher counts by the way we do this in fermentation, uh, extended fermentation. We do have several clinical trials in humans planned as well as that small mouse trial to better understand the effects of lactobacillus rotari, its various strains, its effects on oxytocin and other hormones, as well as its effects on sleep patterns, immunity, and other health measures. So stay tuned. It is, I think, one of the most fascinating conversations that are coming from the microbiome. Now, that's the effect, by the way, of restoring just one microbe. So you'll find in emerging conversations here in Defiant Health, as well as my new book, Supergut, that you can take this conversation even further and restore other microbes. So the other thing we do around here and my book, Supergut, is not only do we replace microbes lost that were important to human health, we also push back, eradicate, or reduce the unhealthy microbes that have emerged and proliferated to take the place of healthy microbes. That's a big deal by itself also. It results in such phenomena as small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, which I believe is present at epidemic levels, conservatively estimated. I think that one in three Americans, I think it's worse than that, but conservatively estimated one in three Americans has SIBO, meaning trillions of microbes occupy all 30 feet of your gastrointestinal tract. When they die, which they do rapidly, right? They only live for, live for a few hours. They release their breakdown products into your bloodstream. And that is how microbes in the GI tract, in the human GI tract, can export their effects to the skin. 
as rosacea or psoriasis, to the joints as rheumatoid arthritis or fibromyalgia, to the brain as depression, panic attacks, or Alzheimer's dementia or Parkinson's. In other words, it's now become clear that microbes we thought were confined to the GI tract actually play a role in virtually all human disease. And I think that all human disease has to be reconsidered, redefined in light of this very important, powerful, and now ubiquitous epidemic process. Now, help me out. This is a community effort, after all. If you can conceive of some way to qualitatively or semi-quantitatively measure the intensity of love and affection in prior periods of history and compare it to the current situation, please speak up. Please let me know. If you're a psychologist and have some kind of insight into this, for instance, please speak up. It would be a fascinating study to conduct. Now, if you've enjoyed what you've learned here in Defiant Health, I invite you to subscribe via your favorite podcast uh, subscription service, leave a comment, and tell your friends about what you've learned here. Thanks for listening.